bounces away from McCulloch. Thurston gets the ball to Morgan. Morgan crosses the 20. Comes away to O'Neill. Welcome to Above the Horizontal, a podcast about rugby league. I'm your host, Bo Nicholson. Tonight I'm joined by Daniel Friend and Chris Waring to discuss everything ahead of round nine. Chris, how has your week been? Good, mate. Uh, Taking a bit back to earth. Tigers lost this week. It was a good two-week run we had, but, you know, other than that, pretty good week of footy. It wasn't the worst game from the Tigers. They were were in it kind of right to the end. Uh, So does that give you some hope ahead of... Uh, Tom Trevojevic this week. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. To be honest, I'm mostly talking shit. To be honest, I, I was kind of I like the way they're playing since Hastings at seven. I'm I'm not okay losing like that, but it's better than you know what you know the previous expectations were. But yeah, I think it's yeah, I think it's going to be short lived, impending the return of Tom and Daniel Friend. It's been a uh, been a tough old time for you. Your nights have fallen to the bottom of the ladder. Uh, I hope the rest of your world's going great, though. How's your week been? The rest of my world is going well, Bo. But unfortunately, the nights, yeah, they are they're shocking at the moment. So I don't really want to talk about football. But here I am on a football podcast. I appreciate the commitment, and uh, I also appreciate the nights being a bit shit last week. Unfortunately, friendly because I had them in my bold with the Storm uh, backing up their 70-10 victory against the Warriors with another 50-plus performance, and they did. They, they got 50-2 to two against the Knights, so I got my bold last week. And a shout-out to our listener, Owen Gibson, who insists on me mentioning that he got 6 out of 8 in the tips last week, which is actually a pretty good effort, I think, uh, considering how the uh, how the games all fell in Round 8. So shout-out to you, Owen. Well done, mate. Let's talk about some wildcard awards. Friendy, what do you got for us? My wildcard award this week is the Don't Make Me Run on Full of Chocolate Award, <laughs> and it goes to Kevin Proctor, who ran four metres on the weekend. Oh. Uh, yeah, well done, Kevin. So he's got more dreadlocks than metres that he ran, <laughs> and I'm sure his teammates will be raising some eyebrows over his starting selection again this week. Yeah, well, what's doing there? Well, yeah, I'm a bit confused about that as well. Uh, he So he played 45 minutes for context. It's not like he was out there for three minutes and got injured or something. He was out there for more than a half of football and only ran for four metres. Uh, I think David Fafita's injury has helped him keep his starting spot. Um, mm. But, yeah, if you're Justin Holbrook, you're having a look at that. Chris, what do you make of of what's happening over at the Titans there. Like they've, they brought Sam McIntyre into the, onto the bench. And a lot of people have been talking about him replacing Proctor. He's an ex, he's a Tigers legend, Sam McIntyre. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, the good news is Kevin Proctor won't be fatigued for this week. Didn't put too much <laughs> effort in. Yeah. It's been a head scratcher. They've been, they've been disappointing the Titans. Um, I think I've, I've always been high on Holbrook as a coach, but I think some of the decisions with um, around Fafita have just been, Chaotic. Um, one small positive, I think that are slightly better with Brinson at the back, but yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I'm not really sure what's going on with the Titans. So they've been pretty disappointing. Speaking of the Titans, I might jump in here. Uh, my wildcard award this week is the, the, you guys know that I'm a, a film buff, so it's the, the Cannes Film Festival Award for egregious standing ovations which goes to the fans at Seabus Super Stadium on Friday. Now, when a film premieres at Cannes, this is for some context here, when a film premieres at Cannes, uh, it often receives an absurd standing ovation. For example, a film that I love, it's called uh, Pan's Labyrinth from about 16 years ago. It received a 22-minute standing ovation. 
22 minutes. Continuous clapping, 22 minutes. I mean, the, the film's amazing, but 22 minutes, completely ridiculous. But not as ridiculous as what the Titans fans came up with. With the Titans, tipped by many to make the top eight, as you mentioned, Chris, leading the Panthers 4-0 at halftime after a try that can only be described as lucky and scrappy, the fans saw fit to give them a standing ovation as they headed up the tunnel. Job done, apparently, as the Panthers, who were well below their usual standards, scored 18 unanswered points to win the game easily in the end. So, Chris, what's your uh, wildcard award this week? All right, I've got a simple one. So I've got the Daily Telegraph award for Dumbest Story of the Week. It's revolving the Jacob Arthur saga. Firstly, his selection, and then the subsequent complaining about, quote-unquote, troll Parramatta fans, which they're, you know, they, they, they were expected to beat the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. It's Dylan Brown's on the form five eighths of the competition, right? It's not like it was just a F decision; like it's just a ridiculous decision to play Jacob after there in the first place. And then the comeback to that is, well, like no one said anything when they beat the Knights, but and again, no offense to Friendy or Knights at the moment, but you know they're not they're they're relatively they could have played Michael Wayman at five eight and they would have beat them. <laughs> so and then. And then the commentary around it from, you know, certain news corp journalists is that, like, oh, they're, they're making the right decision this week and bringing Dylan Brown back. Well, like, what is it? Para, uh, you know, Parramatta fans who, they're allowed to criticise team selection, especially one, like, as idiotic as that. You know, I just, it's just a ridiculous story. I, I, would, I would also posit that uh, I think it was the three of us, particularly last week, when we were announcing the team list and, you know, we're scratching our heads about the fact that Dylan Brown's at centre. I mean, it worked okay against the Knights, but we were, we were scratching our heads. I think you guys actually called it a ridiculous selection before the Cowboys game. So it's not like this has come out of nowhere. I mean, we're not that far ahead of the curve here at the moment. Uh, Friendy, do you think it was an unfair pile on the young man or is it, do you see it as maybe there's a different target? They're not actually targeting Jacob. They're targeting a different member of his family. Yeah, well, they're probably going after his old man, Brad. Um, but the fact is, he should not be playing 5'8 when Dylan Brown is in the side. Put whoever you want at left centre. They, they, the eels were flying with Brown and Moses in the halves. Dylan Brown was in career best form, and they've moved him. It's, it's ridiculous. Especially when you have guys like, um, I think you mentioned in the group chat, like a guy like Ryan Madison or uh, Bryce Cartwright on the bench, you know, like these guys could do a stopgap job at center for a week against the Cowboys, you would have thought, but um, alas, it didn't go that way. And uh, troubling times indeed, a, a strange coaching decision. Friendy, what's something that you learned about another coach throughout eight? Yeah, I learned that Adam O'Brien is a Fruit Loop. Um, <laughs> if he legitimately thought that there was any response from the Knights the other night uh, when on Sunday, Arvo, sorry. Um, I don't know what he was watching. He must have been watching a tape from 2001 or something because those boys quit. I'm sorry. I follow that team religiously, and they just they gave up. That was just absolutely pathetic. You had David Clemmer kicking left-footed on the last. You had Chris Randall trying to kick with, I don't even know. Um, yeah, it was an absolute disgrace. And if he thinks he saw any sort of fight or response from them, yeah, he, he's lost the plot. Yeah, that was an interesting comment wasn't it that uh you know particularly particularly the fact that he said no i saw some improvement that's what he said wasn't it it was Mm. it's like he said he saw a response that's what it was what response was that did they call triple zero for the ambulance response because they (laughs) needed it it was disgraceful (laughs) yeah does no response count as a response like or a negative response pathetic um 
Chris, what what's going on there? Is it, is this a matter of you know a coach trying to deflect away from his players, or is it delusion? Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna. I think he's trying to deflect, but like as Freddie said, you just look like an idiot when the scoreline's fifty to two, especially when I think like a fair criticism. On paper, Newcastle a good team. Obviously, they have some injuries, but you know, so does so does more than half the competition at this point. I don't think that's a fair excuse. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think a lot of the criticism is can be directed at forwards. A lot of the forwards just aren't having a go, and it's. I think there's um, lack of on-field leadership, at least. And I think, you know, it's just... I, I get what he's trying to do. He's trying to keep, you know, the morale high. Maybe he's speaking something different behind the doors. But, yeah, you just... You look like an absolute moron when that's the scoreline, and that's what you come out with in the press conference. Friendy, uh, to start the season, we were all pretty high on the Knights, and especially Jake Clifford. Now, Jake Clifford got hooked throughout this game and uh, has been dropped along with Adam Clune. I believe Adam Clune's also carrying a bit of an injury, though, so there's a, a half excuse there for him. What do you make of, of that choice? Um, to do you, Are you happy to, to pin a lot of the issues on Jake Clifford, particularly the fact that the Knights haven't scored a try for a couple of weeks? Yeah, and no, I'm a massive fan of Jake. And from what uh, Adam O'Brien said in his press conference yesterday, just before announcing the team, he did say Jake's got some personal stuff going on at the moment. So okay. I'm not sure. It's sort of hard to comment when it's like that. It could be someone sick or a breakup or something. We don't know. So if Jake's struggling a little bit, I'm all for giving him some time off because I, I think he's a real player and I'm a big fan of his. And... I totally agree with that. Uh, mental health always comes first. Um, and w- they've named Tex Hoy at 5-8 with Phoenix Cross mm. at halfback. Do you suspect that there could be a potential yep. position switch yep. going on? Absolutely. Kalen will play six. Tex Hoy will play one. I have no doubt. I don't think it's going to matter. We're not going to have the ball very long. <laughs> but like, is, is, is that going to be uh, in attack and defense, do you think? Or, or Yeah, I think so. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, because Tex Hoy, he couldn't tackle me. So um, <laughs> you, you're, better off, you're better off putting him at the back. And I actually think the last game he played at fullback, I'm pretty sure it was against Penrith, I think he had his best game in first grade um, for mine. So, yeah, I'd put him back there, put Kalen in the six. Um, I'd love to actually see him get a bit physical and try and lead the way for his boys because, um, yeah, last week there was a few times I watched him and there was not much body on the line stuff. So I think that's what they want to see from their captain, especially us supporters. And as a as a Queensland fan, I remember very well when he came off the bench and played 50 minutes at lock mm-hmm. and, and yep. was very, it made, you know, 20 plus tackles, looked very impressive. Um, yep. You know, there's no reason that he can't. Yeah, roll the sleeves up and, and have a bit of a crack. Guys, I've got a, a, a new mini segment idea. It's called, Would You Like a Slice of Humble Pie? Ooh, floor pie. <laughs> and basically, uh, you know, we're coming up to round nine. We're a further way through the season. And I think it's about time that we reevaluate some of our pre-season predictions a lot of us can get things wrong that's just the nature of the beast when you get into this sort of thing so uh, i'll start us off i'll take the first hit up my slice of humble pie is that i did not think the panthers could keep going up the gears like they they keep finding new levels Uh, it's kind of like the storm at the moment like i kind of expected the panthers to be outrageous in 2020 outrageous again in 2021 and be very 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 good in 2022 but you know round out the top four 
kind of level. But I don't think there's much doubt that they're going to be in the top two with the Storm. So uh, that's going to be a big old slice of humble pie for me. Uh, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> Friendy, would you like a slice of humble pie? I need a big slice of humble pie. And mine is, uh, I thought Todd Payton's approach to his coaching and the way he was trying to get some responses out of his players was, yeah, a bit crazy, to be honest. And I didn't think it would work. And well done to him because it certainly is. And they all seem accountable. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's doing a great job up there. I'm sure you'd be stoked, Bo, at how the Cowboys are going. And, yeah, well done to Todd Payton. I was completely wrong and I need some humble pie. <laughs> yeah, have some. Have some of that. And and I'm going to sl- get a slice of that for myself. Not so much because of Todd. I actually kind of had a bit of faith in what Todd was doing, particularly last year when he was, like, you know, um, trying to minimize Tomo Lolo's minutes and and trying to work out a way to get the best use out of him long term and trying to make the, as you say, the rest of the players accountable. And he seemed very direct. And I kind of like that because that comes across as honest and authentic. So I, I was kind of always on the Todd Payton train, but I, I'm shocked at how good the Cowboys have been. Even if they miss the eight from here, which would be probably a failure at this point, but they've been just so impressive and so much more impressive than I thought they would be. So my slice of humble pie is, is also going to be about, yeah, the Cowboys doing a lot better. Chris, would, would you like a slice of humble pie? Yeah, I'm going to have a slice over what the Dragons are doing at fullback with Moses Embai being selected over Taro Sloan the last um, about month. I think most people thought they liked what the Dragons are doing. Uh, a lot of people had them, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10 um, possibly, which I think they're affirming for at the moment. But I don't think many would have expected that it would be with Moses Embai, the starting 13, rather than Taro Sloan. Um, I've been really big on Sloan as a upcoming prospect. I think he's. I, th- I still think he's going to be a great player, but something I'm going to have a slice of humble pie over is Acknowledging the decision knowledge of, you know, uh, fullbacks, they take time to assess the defensive line, call out, make calls, etc. And I think over the last month, with Moses Embai at the back, obviously he's, he's a seasoned player now. I think just that knowledge and a little bit more maturity at the back is obviously helping the Dragons. And yeah, uh, that's something I'm going to have a humble pie over. As Moses Embai at fullback, West he, Tigers legend. Here's your West Tigers legend. Here's your slice of humble pie. I'll join you on that one as well because I I was absolutely against this call, Friendy. Uh, th- that one maybe could slice off three slices. Are you are you down for some humble pie over that one too? Mm, I'll hold on that one. I'll, I'll keep <laughs> keep my knife and fork in my hands. I still think Sloan's the best option, but. I can understand what he's trying to do there, but yeah, I'll, I'll just hold. I'll, le- I'll let you lick the outside of the humble pie if you like. Just have a little <laughs> flirt with it. Um, it, it is interesting uh, to note, and the Dragons are playing against the Storm uh, this weekend, so it's going to be a tough game for them. But a team that has got them some success, it's looking a bit bits and pieces. You know, like the, their forward pack has Molo, McCulloch, but George Burgess, Tarek Sims, Josh McGuire, Jack DeBellin. You got Jack Bird at five eighth. You got Moses and Bay at fullback. It's a bit of yeah. It's a bit of like um, slicing it all together, you know. Just quickly, Bo, on Josh McGuire playing on an edge. Did you see he had to swap sides, um, <laughs> or basically he had to make Tarek Sims swap sides because he's got that vision impairment in one of his eyes, so he can only play on one side of the field. <laughs> so, the, new, the new left back rower, left yeah. back rower, Josh McGuire. Um, yeah, luckily Tarek Sims is versatile enough that he can do that, um, move across, and yeah, good luck to Josh. It's actually quite amazing when you think about it's how good Josh McGuire is. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's never too early to talk about origin, is it, guys? I don't know. Never. Never? Yeah, especially for New South Wales people. There's been a lot of chat in the group chat, particularly from uh, the former editor of 
Real Sport, Daniel Wang, talking about how New South Wales is going to win 4-0 and 5-0 this year. He's that confident that you're going to win surplus games. So, uh, But New South Wales do have a few little decisions to make, I think. There's obviously the... We talked about the Latrell Mitchell left-center thing, which seems to be firming towards a Katoni Stags. You know, he might play left or right, and Turbo would play the other. Um, but there's a few little injuries and a few little form decisions to make as well. Chris, um, you're a New South Wales fan. What are some uh, interesting decisions that you can see that, that Fittler needs to make? Yeah, I think uh, the one being talking about a lot is uh, obviously the center position, but I'm, I'm thinking about the forward pack obviously with the form of the Knights. And I think um, it's not so much that you don't pick players in bad teams necessarily or teams not going well, but when those specific players are on the criticism for, let's say, you know, not having a crack, I think Daniel Saifidi is probably going to be on the outer for at least game one, form depending. But, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see what New South Wales are going to do with their props. I really like the Parramatta props, obviously. Shout out to Miles Stedman. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I reckon Daniel Saifidi might be missing out on at least Origin 1. Yeah, do you think... So, obviously, uh, being an Eels prop, do you think that Campbell Gillard might might get the jump there? Or have you got your eye on yeah. somebody else? Yeah, I think uh, I like Reggie in the prop position there. I think Jake Turbo, but I don't think he'll, he'll, he won't start there. But I think um, he's the type of player Freddie would like. Obviously, versatile forward off the bench, can play front row, or well, he probably wouldn't play in the second row, but... Lock forward or front row, but yeah, I, I think Reggie's probably going to be on the up, and I think Saifidi may be playing for the Knights. What do you make of this, Friendy? You're you're a Knights fan. You you follow the Knights very closely. DSAF, it seems like he's yeah, not certainly very far from his best. In fact, yeah, he's way off at the moment, unfortunately. So he's certainly um, up against it in terms of being selected. I, I think Angus Crichton's probably the other one that's in a bit of. Uh, a bit of doubt maybe as well, but just on the props, I think um, Chris is on the money there. So Payne Haas will be one of them. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt about that. And I think Jun- Junior Paulo will be the other. And then you've got um, Regan Campbell-Gillard would probably be the third one in the rotation there with someone on the bench that could play middle or edge as well, probably going into that rotation too. So um, yeah, I think Regan Campbell-Gillard's the obvious one. And probably the best option, maybe with a Jake Turbo on the bench as well. So, yeah. Well, I was going to pick your, both your brains about this. Uh, just quick answer. Isaiah Yo is number 13, right? He's the starting mm. lock. Chris, yep. do you, you agree? Yep. So that, so, that means that you're, you're, starting for, you're starting middles are probably going to be Payne Haas, Junior Paolo, and Isaiah Yo. Now, you need to have Cameron Murray. So, he either starts on an edge or- yeah, Right edge. Right edge, yes. Yep. He did that last year too, didn't he? So yep. that's yep. probably how that goes. So your middle rotation on the bench, you're looking at a big body like Regan Campbell-Gillard, um, you know, a, a, a consistent performer like Jake Turbo. What about someone like Adele Finucane? His form has been excellent for the Sharks. He's been a big part of what they're doing there. Is he somebody that potentially could get the jump on a guy like RCG or uh, Turbo, in your opinion, Chris? I wouldn't personally, but... It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he was. I think he's a bit, he's a great player, but in terms of origin, I think he's a little bit uh, slower than he used to be. And uh, I think they might be worried about um, durability, but I, I think it would not surprise me at all if he's there, thereabouts. Similar read on that, Friendy? 
Yeah, he def- he's definitely an option. I think if they pick an extended squad, he'll certainly be in that and then be in the running to perhaps get a bench spot or something. I, I know Freddie and, and um, his assistant coaches, Joey and Brandy and stuff, they certainly like Dale Finucane from what I've heard. So he'll be a chance um, as much as any. I think Liam Martin was in the squad last year. So there'll be a few guys sort of floating around. Um, but I think, yeah, the the main one, Dan Safidi will be struggling and, and Angus Crichton will be struggling to be picked, I think. Yeah, so would you go with Liam Martin instead of Angus Crichton or is there is there somebody else that you've got your eye on? Because Angus sort of has the oh, ability to play middle and edge. My my pick for that bench middle edge um, player would be Keon Kalamatangi, without oh. a doubt, for mine. Uh, he, he would certainly do a job, whether it's on the edge or in the middle, it doesn't really matter. If you do pick him, then you open up the... Um, the possibility of basically going, putting him to the right edge to replace Murray, and then Murray can play in the middle as well as Yo, and yeah, you can sort of do a whole heap of things there once the game gets going, because if you have sort of Payne Haas on the field, and then your other two middles are Cameron Murray and Isaiah Yo, you've got a real diverse three sort of middles there. You'll get the go forward from Payne Haas, you'll get the speed and the quick play the ball from Murray, and then Yo, the creativity. So, um, if you had someone like Kalal Matangi to play right edge or middle or whatever, yeah, you, you're sort of flexible with Murray too. Chris, uh, same question to you. Uh, do you think Crichton has what it takes to hold on? And if not, who's who's going to take his spot? Yeah, uh, I like friendly shout. I think Kalal Matangi is a good chance. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I have more faith that Crichton will be there than um, Bsas. But yeah, I really like what friendly said with. Um, like the, the forward versatility that Kalamatangi would bring. And it, it, it makes um, – it has a lot of – in the forward pack then you have a lot of forwards that can both kind of shift out if needed but also go in the middle. It depends what you want to do with the bench rotation. And that might allow, um, say, if, if, if they do go like a Pappenhausen who isn't the most versatile off the bench, it kind of gives you some um, flexibility around shifting, say, like a second row to the forward pack or a forward to an edge or something like that. So – um, if I had to, if I had to put money on it, I think Crichton will keep his spot, but I do like the shout of Kalam Tony in that. That brought me to my next question, which was going to be about that utility spot on the bench. I think that's also an area where New South Wales need to give it a lot of consideration, uh, because as you mentioned, Pappenhausen, full of his life, he's like a 10 out of 10 in basically every way you can, uh, picture it, including the mullet. Um, but is he, is he a good New South Wales number 14 friendy, or do you think they would go with someone who offers more versatility, be it maybe a Cameron McGuinness or be it like a like a Nico Hines, or, or how do you see that going, Friendy? Yeah, I've got one, and he's a real smoky, but I really like him. I reckon Josh Schuster, he'd be my 14. Um, yeah, he's got serious creativity. He can play halves, hooker, centres, back row, middle. There's there's everywhere covered, is it not? Um, you can shift one of your centres to the wing if need be, or fullback. So yeah, Josh Schuster would be my man. I reckon you only need about 15 minutes out of him, and defensively, that's probably the main reason as well. He's a much bigger body than a Pappenhausen, and if if Pappenhausen was going to come on in the middle of the field, that's just the quick play the ball waiting to happen for mine with Queensland. So it's all well and good looking at his highlights reel, and don't get me wrong, he is a freak. He is a gun. But you don't always have the ball in Origin footy. So there's two sides to the game. And I wouldn't be all that confident with Pappenhausen in the middle, along with someone like a Damien Cook defending next to each other. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, 
give me Josh Schuster. Um, yeah, there's, there's a try assist or, or something good waiting to happen with him coming on the field, I reckon. He'll be waving to his mum in the crowd while he throws the pass too. Like He won't yep. even be looking where he's throwing it. Um, yep. Chris, is Friendy out of his mind or is there some good chat there? No, I don't mind it. Um, I, personally, I'd probably go another season for Schuster and then consider him in origin. But I, I get what you're saying. I agree with the fact that I, I wouldn't have Pappenhausen, uh, Pappenhausen either which is really unfortunate, just on form alone. He he's obviously deserves and, and would be able to play at that level. But same defensive concerns and people just overuse or wrongly use the word utility. Like Pappenhausen isn't a utility. He'd just be a back on the bench. Mm-hmm. I would have injury permitting. I like Jack Bird at 14. Mm-hmm. Could make shift half, can easily play in the back row. You could put him in the centers. Um, if he's injured, I would stick with Jack Whiten on the bench. I think he's a big body that can handle 25 minutes in the middle. Um, I think he could be an explosive edge runner if taken away. Obviously, the playmaking is are taken care of. Just another playmaking option in the field. And he's been, he's probably the lone, one of the lone good players for Canberra this season. I think his form is good enough to be selected. Let's pretend that you guys want Queensland to do well for a second. Uh, who's the fullback for Queensland? Friendy, who are you going to stick with with your man, Kalen? Because he yeah. has the, the biggest upside? Yeah, Kalen Ponga. Uh, and Chris, would you be happy to sign off on that? I know you're less high on, on Kalen than the rest of the people in our panel. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd probably still go in. Moses Zembai is tempting. No, I'm just kidding. I'll, I'll stick with Kalen Ponga at the back. <laughs> um, or Kurt, man. Um, get Kurt in there, yeah, see how he goes. Um, backline spots uh, seem to be a little bit open, but in, in some senses, maybe not. So, Gagai, injury permitting, will be right centre. Um, Coates on the right wing, that's probably pretty sewn up. Left centre, I think you have to pick Val. Um, left wing becomes interesting. Is, is that where we where we might see someone like a Hamaso, Tabuai, Fido, Chris, uh, if if you were picking the backline? Yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'd probably go there the hammer back there i think it's just that explosive a bit of youth on the edge um make make sure you have two quite tall wingers on either side um yeah i'd probably go with the hammer on the wing now friendy you've mentioned that there's a few backline spots that could be a bit a uh, bit of permutation for the maroons how do you see that one going i think you guys have nailed it i think it'll be gagai and holmes in the centers um and yeah, Coates on the right wing and, and the hammer on the left. So, as I said, I'd pick Kalen. I think the halves pick themselves, DCE and Cameron Munster. Mm-hmm. Um, the one, I, I, oh, geez, I'd be tempted to put Cameron Munster at fullback. But, I mean, yeah, you can't go wrong with him at 5'8 either. So, so who's 5'8 yeah, in that, that situation? Is that Ben Hunt then? I'd just pick Ben Hunt there, yeah. Yep. Mm. yep. Interesting. I think Hunt's a, a lock for, not a lock, but a... Um, a, a, a surefire thing for number 14, which Chris, I guess that sort of leaves a few, um, a few pegs to go into only very limited holes. How do you see that, that going for Queensland? You know, assuming that Munster and Ponga are picked and DCS at halfback, you've got Harry Grant, a uh, Reed Marnie and, and Ben Hunt to sort of squeeze into two spots. If you're Queensland, how are you picking that one, Chris? Let's say Grant is at nine and then Hunt will be 14. I think that leaves Reed Marnie pretty stiff not to be selected so yeah it depends what they want to do i don't think they'll be they'll make a controversial decision but um the option's definitely there if you're looking at um uh trying to pick um form players and those for hunt dc grant marnie are all in really good form this year yeah friendy is it it a case kind of like pappenhausen where it's like look he's in really great touch he's a good player but 
you can't fit, you know, that many players into one position with Reed Money. Reed Money just just unlucky to miss out. Yeah, it's just bad luck. Unfortunately, he's playing great footy. In if there was an injury or something like that, he'll be a fantastic number two, like hooker. But yeah, he, he's just going to miss out. Harry Grant, he is like uh, between him and Nathan Cleary, they're my favourite players at the moment. I said to someone at work the other day, if I saw them in bed with my missus, I'd tuck them in. That's how much I like them at the moment. So, um, shout, out. shout out to Shell. Yeah, hey Shell. Um, yeah, they're uh, they're fantastic. So, yeah, that's a green light, Shell. <laughs> go, go for it um, what about uh, another guy that can play a bit of dummy half he's been playing a bit of front row and lock for the Cowboys he's in outrageous form Ruben Cotter friendy does he uh, does he feature at all can you can you have Ben Hunt and Ruben Cotter on the same bench he's got to be there he is the rabid dog version of Cam Murray um <laughs> Ruben Cotter, he's he's fantastic. I love watching him play, and he's not a massive dude. He just rips in. Yeah, he, he's he's awesome. He has to be there somewhere. Oh, I don't care if it's starting lock, if it's on the bench or whatever. He is built for Origin. Well, they've made quite an investment in and Tino Faso Maliawi to be that lock, and he plays lock for the Titans as well. Um, but yeah, I could I could see a, a world where kind of like you're talking about with Cam Murray, how he starts on an edge and maybe moves into a middle later on. Maybe Tino could do a similar thing for Queensland and have Ruben Cotter mm. just tackle blokes all day from lock. Uh, that could work. Chris, what do you make of that? Yeah, I, I agree. It gives me um, Alan Tung vibes, Ruben mm. Cotter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it always seems, as Queenslanders like to tell us endlessly, Alan Tung would have played 20 Origins for Queensland. Mm-hmm. He just has that, um, you know, the Queensland folklore kind of nature about him as a player i think rabbit dog like friendy said is a really good way to um describe him he just he just seems like an origin player so I, I think he'll be there on the bench dallas johnson like but kind of the faster ra- faster and also like yep. maybe a bit more crazy just a little yep. bit lunatic yeah, yeah he, he's he doesn't he's, get knocked out when the wind changes <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness! Okay, and now it's time for. Phen- Gee, I hate this word. Phenom- phenomenon. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Phenomenal trivia. Okay, the first question is: For which club did Mark Nichols make his NRL debut? Friendy. Friendy. Melbourne, Melbourne Storm. It was not the Melbourne Storm. Oh, Chris. Chris. Yeah, who would you like, Chris? Um, Brisbane Broncos. It was not the Brisbane Broncos. It was the Canberra Raiders. He played for the Canberra Raiders. He made his debut in 2012 uh, before moving to the Storm in 2017 and then to the Rabbitohs after that. And he signed for the Redcliffe Dolphins for next season. So Mark Nichols been in the NRL for 10 years uh, on and off as it turns out. Okay. So zero all so far. Uh, Let's go to question two. Now this one is, uh, there's two answers. So there's half a point each. For each answer, first person that buzzes in can get both if you get it. Which two teams have conceded more than 200 points this season so far? Randy. Chris. Ooh, that's just Randy. Uh, Newcastle. Yeah. 
and the Warriors. That's correct. The, New- the Newcastle Knights and the New Zealand Warriors have both conceded over 200 points, largely courtesy of the Melbourne Storm, of course, in the last couple of weeks. The Knights 206 and the Warriors 202. As it turns out, the Warriors uh, have a points differential of 62, negative 62, rather. So taking out that Storm game, they're basically on parity, uh, but the Storm just blew them away. So, Friendy, well done to you. That's one point to you, Chris. Unfortunately, he just beat you to the pip there, but let's see. You were very quick on the Who Am I last week, so let's see if you can level it up here. Who am I? I was born on New Year's Day in 1950. I have two brothers and two sisters. My father was an alcoholic and left my family when I was a child forcing me into the workforce at a young age. I hail from a small town near Warwick in Queensland. Chris. Going early again. Chris, who have you got? Is it Wayne Bennett? <laughs> it's Wayne Bennett. That's Wayne, huge. That, well is, that is huge. What, what gave it away? Uh, I just, I counted the years, Queensland. Yeah, about uh, seven. I, yeah. I think I've read his Wikipedia page once about um, his <laughs> Early life, so. The rest of the question was, my uncle played for Australia in rugby league, so was my inspiration for getting into the sport. I played in Warwick before playing for Brothers, Ipswich, and Souths in the Brisbane Rugby League competition. I played nine games for Queensland as a winger and goalkeeper. I also toured with the Australian team in 1971, playing two tour matches, but no test matches. I worked as a police officer through much of the 70s and 80s and did some coaching with their rugby league sides before coaching Brisbane South to a grand final in my first year of coaching them before winning the premiership with them the next year, including players like Gary Belcher, Peter Jackson, Melbourne Inger, and Scott Tronk, one of my favorites. Um, I have gone on to coach my state, my country, and five clubs across the NSR. NSWRL, ARL, Australian Super League, and NRL. I've coached almost 900 games at that level, won seven premierships, including Super League. I am going to be the inaugural coach of the Dolphins. I am Wayne Bennett. Very good, Chris. You are a lightning on, on the Who Am I's. That makes it one all. We do need a tiebreaker. Now, I'm going to install a different rule for the tiebreaker. Okay? So, the first person that buzzes in, it's a number that you're looking for, obviously. Closest to the pin. The first person that buzzes in gets the first crack. And the next person must pick something five or more different. So you can't just like go one higher and be closer or one lower and be closer. So you got to pick five or different, like five or more different. Okay. So say the answer is 20. Someone guesses 30. The next person has to guess at least five away from that first guess. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, great. So the tiebreaker question is, uh, in, in reference to uh, the first question, really, how many tries have been scored in their entire NRL career by Mark Nichols? Friendy. Friendy. Four. Four. Chris, you must go five different to Friendy. <laughs> so it's either negative, negative one or more than nine or more. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go in 10. 10. Uh, the answer is six, which makes Friendy the champion of phenomenal trivia once again. Phenomenal stuff, Friendy. Congratulations. Thank you. Well done, Friendy. <laughs> Cheers. Friendy, would you like to write the questions next week? I'm sure I can do that. That's fine. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds fun. So then I can play along as well. So, Friendy, you've won a couple in a row. So, because you've won two in a row, you get to write the questions next week. That is your honor. Uh, okay, let's talk about round nine, guys. The first game is Thursday night from Acor Stadium at 7.50 p.m. It's the Rabbitohs and Broncos. The Rabbitohs are pretty standard uh, for their sort of lineup. with, But Adam Reynolds 
is returning to face his previous club for the Broncos. He'll have a tough time, though, with uh, Payne Haas and Kurt Capewell out. They've been replaced by Pat Carrigan and TC Rabati, and Jake Turpin lurks amongst the reserves. Friendy, who's going to win this one and why? I'm going to tip the Rabbits here. Uh, I think they're just starting to hit their straps. Uh, they've had a few decent performances, um, and, yeah, I'll, I'll be tipping the Bunnies. Yeah, similar. Um, I can't believe the, I'm looking at sports bet. Uh, Broncos are four dollars, which I, yeah. I I think that's probably worth a stab at. But I think it'll be a close game. I think Adam Reynolds will be fired up, but I think the the scourge of Jake Turpin and the squad will lead South Sydney to win. Yeah, the, the, shout out Jake Turpin. <laughs> the the Broncos the Broncos have also come into some form in in recent weeks. Uh, their second half against the Bulldogs, plus that game against the Sharks, that were really really good. So um, I am not as confident, and that four dollars does seem tempting. Gamble responsibly, of course. I think that no pain has means no rat, uh, no Broncos though. So I'm going to go with the Rabbitohs. Uh, the next game is the Raiders and Bulldogs. It's from GIO Stadium on Friday evening at six o'clock. There's been lots of backline movement for the Raiders. Uh, Jared Croker is returning though in the centers and Jack Whiten is out. The Bulldogs welcome back Josh Jackson and Brent Naden back into their run on side. Chris, who is going to win this game and why? Uh, I'm going to go to the Raiders. I think. Um, the emotional return, Jared Croker. I think the Raiders should get up for that. I like that uh, Jordan Rafana is now out of fullback. Mm-hmm. I think the Raiders should bounce back. I think they should win. Yeah, I flipped a coin and it came up green, so I'll be tipping the Raiders. <laughs> Do you just happen to have grew, uh, blue and green coins just lying around? I colour different coins in if I get to this uh, position on my tipping. Is that actually a genuine thing you do? No. <laughs> I, I, I do not do that either. I, um, I'm going to go with the Raiders. Home ground advantage is really the only thing that's pushing me over the line there. But the Bulldogs have been, uh, you know, pardon the pun, dogged. They've been dogged. Um, the next game, which is a potential blockbuster, it's the Panthers and Eels from Bluebet Stadium. The Panthers have named Brian To'o and Moses Lee Ota in their reserves. So that will create some potential headaches for Ivan Cleary if they are fit and ready to go. Uh, with Tom Opacic returning, the Eels are able to put Dylan Brown back to 5-8 with the aforementioned Jacob Arthur now out of the side. Friendy, who's going to win this one and why? I like the Panthers here in the Western Sydney derby. Uh, I think that, I mean, how do you tip against them? They're, they've got the whole, everything covered. They do everything well, all the one percenters. They've... They've got some flair with their attack, and, and they've got Nathan Cleary. So uh, the Eels are a little bit depleted at the moment, so I'll be sticking with the home side to make it 22 in a row at Penrith Park. Oh, my goodness. What a stat. Mm. Yeah, same same thing. It's, it's You have to be a brave man to dip against Penrith. I think there will be some response from Parramatta after last week, and they will be better for the for the run with Brown back at 5-8. But, yeah, you, you can possibly dip against the Panthers at the moment, especially at home. I've got to say, I'm, I was super tempted. Um, the, the Eels did clock the the storm at their home ground earlier this season. They have a bit of a history of of really pushing the Panthers in recent seasons as well. Uh, but you know that injury toll, the Panthers being as impressive as they are, returning troops like Toro and Leota potentially. Yeah, exactly right. How do you tip against them? Um, I'm not sure. So I'm going to tip the Panthers. The next game is Saturday afternoon from Four Pines Park. It is the Seagulls and the Tigers. It's Triple Toboyevich for the Seagulls with Tom returning and Ben making his run on debut. The Tigers will be without Luciano Leilua and David Nofaluma 
for this key clash, but are potentially welcoming Stefano Otoikamanu and Tyrone Peachy back on the bench. Chris, who wins this one and why? Yeah, I'm going to go Manly. Um, I really, again, Tigers have been playing well. There's been a resilient attitude in defence, which is promising to see. Um, I think Manly are just going to be too benefited by um, the return of Tom at the back for him. And I think the Tigers have a problem with Oliver Gildard defensively on their edge, which gets exposed um, pretty much every time he's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think Manly are going to win. Yeah, I'll be tipping Manly, and I I really like the inclusion, obviously, of Tom. He's he's the big one, but also um, Josh Aloye. He was playing really, really good footy for Manly, and he sort of led the way for him for um, a few weeks there. He's missed the last few rounds, um, but bringing him back on the bench, I think, signifies yeah their their strength in lineup this week. Not to mention the return of Olokowatu as well, which I, I did mm. not mention. Uh, he's a Christ young- almighty. Jesus Christ, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. worse. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, mate. Uh, I am too going to go for the Seagulls. Uh, but I, I do give the Tigers a chance. I think they're uh, they're playing some good footy at the moment. The next game is the Roosters and Titans. This one is from BB Print Stadium in Mackay. For the Roosters, Tupo and Momorowski are slated to return, while David Fafita is out for the Titans. Should be out for about a month. He'll be indirectly replaced by the Tigers legend, Sam McIntyre. Friendy, who's going to win this one and why? I think the Roosters, and I think they'll find their groove here. Um, It's about time they started playing some good attacking footy, and I think the Titans' defence will allow them to do that uh, because it's woeful. So, yeah, Roosters for me by plenty. Yeah, same thing. I think Roosters, you just just can't expect the Roosters to be this ordinary for so long. I think they'll bounce back against the Titans and I'll same with friend. I think they'll, they'll win quite convincingly. It's like Homer watching that dude on his front lawn, just being like, Oh, he's going to do something. <laughs> you know, like, whatever he says. yeah, I can't remember his name, but it was just like, Oh, he's just about to do something. And he like, just like kills the shit out of like 20 dudes or something. Um, yeah. Like I can sort of see that with the roosters. Like they're, they're just, a, they're, they've, they've got to, they've, they've got to click at some point. So, um, yeah, roosters for me as well. The next game is a bit of a grudge match for, for me oh. and Friendy. It is the Cowboys and the Knights from Queensland Country Bank Stadium on Saturday evening, nice and dewy up in Townsville. There are no changes for the Cowboys. Um, while the Knights have lost patience with their hearts, as we mentioned earlier, they've promoted Phoenix Crossland and Tex Hoy to the starting side. Uh, they are also welcoming back Lachlan Fitzgibbon and Dominic Young. Chris, who's going to win this one and why? Yeah, I want to go the North Queensland. Um, I'm ready to ready to accept that they're going to be a good team this year. Their defense is, you know, great. To be honest, uh, it's amazing the turnaround that they've had just in, you know, from last season. Uh, I think that I want to say the Knights will show something, but I, I, I think North Queensland will win one to twelve. Yeah, I think one to twelve is a pretty reasonable margin for this one. I think you guys have been eating the same food as Adam O'Brien. I think the Cowboys will. <laughs> Cowboys will win by about 30 plus. The, the, the one big factor and the reason I tipped them against the Eels last week was that, that you know, Saturday night, Dewey, those northern conditions. I think that's really the big difference for me because, I mean, yes, the Cowboys are in much better form. The Knights are going terrible. There is all that as well. But the Knights are a better team than what they're showing. And the Cowboys might not be as good a team as they're showing. I'm not yet ready to buy into the fact that they're a top team or like, you know, a good team. So... I don't want to get arrogant about it. So I am going to tip the Cowboys, of course, but I am not 
super confident. This is the kind of game the Cowboys lose. Uh, the one that they should win. So, you know, fingers crossed for my boys as far as I'm concerned. The next game is on Sunday afternoon from Amy Park down in Melbourne. It's the Storm versus the Dragons. The Dragons have won three in a row, so they're coming after the Storm. Tepai Maroa is out injured. He should be out for about six weeks, which gives Jordan Grant a chance on the bench for the Storm. The Dragons have named Jack Bird to return, which seems frankly incredible. He'll slot back in the halves alongside Ben Hunt, but not many other changes for the Dragons. Friendy, who's going to win this one and why? Melbourne, because they're much better than the Dragons. Um, and I think that, yeah, their, their pack is just so outstanding. Then that allows their spine, which is just, oh, like, they're incredible. Grant, Hughes, Munster, Pappenhausen, they just don't miss any opportunities. Like, Pappenhausen is always there. The other guys create. Yeah, I just can't see how the Dragons are even going to get close to them. Speaking of not missing opportunities, how good's Josh King going? Moves, yeah. from, moves from the Knights yeah. and just slots straight into the lock forward position, keeping Brandon Smith on the bench. Yep. Well, and also we got rid of Nick Meaney. He's doing a job for the Storm as, as well out on the wing um, via the Bulldogs, of course. But um, there's a few guys that, yeah, they just seem to pick up. They just give him a couple of jobs each week. And, yeah, Craig Bellamy, just he's a magician. Be interesting to see a Knights let go 17, wouldn't it, Chris? So the Tigers get plenty of that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Melbourne. They're, they're a great team to watch, to be honest. Probably my favourite yeah. team to watch at the moment. They're, like Fran said, the, the spine is just, you know, it's ridiculous how good and how how easy and the communication between everyone is. You know, the Dragons have been going relatively well, but same thing. I don't think they're a chance, to be honest, just based on how well Melbourne are going. In, in the last two weeks, the Storm have scored 10 times more than their opponents, 120 to 12 in the last two weeks. So that's, and you know, like, as we said, the Warriors aren't going that bad and the Knights are a better team than they're showing. So the, the Storm are red hot. I, I too will be going for the Storm. And the last game is the Sharks and Warriors. It's from Points Bet Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Delphi Nukin returns for the Sharks, which will cause a few little positional changes there. Probably Cameron McKinnis going back to the bench, I'd say. And Dallin Wateni Zalesniak returns for the Warriors after that nasty concussion, which is lovely news. Chris, who's going to win this one and why? Yeah, I think Cronulla are going to win um, pretty easily. Despite the Warriors winning last week, they were they were fucking shit, to be honest. It was a miracle <laughs> that they beat the Raiders. It was just a race to the bottom, that match. Yeah, I think Fanukenbeck um, will be big for Cronulla. I think they'll bounce back from last week. I think they should win pretty easy. Yeah, I'll be tipping the Sharks, and I think it'll be a really high-scoring affair. So, um, nice dry game of footy on a Sunday Arvo, and yeah, it should be good to watch. I, I saw this really... I'll, I'll be going for the Sharks, too. I, I just want to share this Reddit comment that I saw when I was going through, like, the top of the week on the NRL subreddit. And uh, and it was, it was a highlight of Sean Johnson kicking that field goal, Corey Horsburgh thinking he's going to make it, going to make it, going to make it, and that doesn't make it. Um, <laughs> and uh, And this comment was just like, Gee whiz, like, you know, it was a really shit game up until this moment, though. And then this next comment was just like, yeah, but it really picked up around the 82nd minute this game. Like, really, like, really picked up. <laughs> because the 81 minutes prior was, was dog shit, as, as you quite rightly say, Chris. Let's talk about some bold predictions, guys. Friendy, what do you got for us this week? This week, I've, uh, I really hope I get this wrong, actually. Uh, so, the Knights not to score a try again. That would make it three weeks in a row, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm. Couldn't score with a ball each. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I too hope that's not the case for your club. I, I do want the Cowboys to win, of course, but let's let's hope the Knights can find some attacking flavor and make it a good game. 
Chris, what's your bowl prediction for this week? All right, I'm going to go between the Penrith and Parramatta game and the Manly and West Tigers game, that mm-hmm. there'll be a, a total under 40 points scored in both. Combined? Yep. Ooh, that's, that is that is bold, especially with Tom Trevojevic returning. That's I like that. You're backing in the, the Tigers' newfound defensive resolve? Yeah, which no doubt means they'll probably get 40 put on them, but that's <laughs> probably something. I like it. That'll be that'll be fun to keep a track of. Uh, my bold uh, will be one and done by by Thursday, hopefully successfully. It'll be Adam Reynolds returning to play against his uh, former club. He will score a try, and he will also have a try assist against his old club. So that's that's mine. Uh, he will not be ruled out with COVID or whatever it was last time. Uh, that's that's my shout. Uh, but let's let's speak about some shout outs. Thank you very much for your efforts this episode, guys. Chris, any shout outs this week? Yeah, just a quick one. Shout out to Ash Taylor at the retired during the week. Um, unfortunate his career was cut short. Showed a lot of promise for a lot of time. Um, yeah, just hope he has a nice retirement into whatever whatever else he does next. Yeah, here here for that. My shout out is to my old man who has started listening to our uh, great podcast, and unfortunately, he's a manly fan, my old man. But that's okay. Uh, he's really enjoying it, and he describes it as his favourite podcast at the moment. So, hey, um, shout out to you, Dad. Phenomenal! Great to have you on board, Mister Friend. Uh, is that even even more so than beers in the shed? Yeah, he did say that. Ooh, yes. Oh, geez. We'll have to tell Josh about that one. Um, <laughs> my shout out is to a couple of guys that are, are doing some good uh, in the community. So, first of all, Jackson Hastings. Uh, I saw on social media that uh, it, was a, it was a young fan's birthday, sixth birthday, I think. And he got the young fan along to come to training. He was part of the training. He helped run some drinks during training, got a lot of photos, got like a jersey signed, all that sort of stuff with the Tigers. And Jackson Hastings organized all that. So, big shout out to Jackson for that sort of work. And also, I don't know if you guys saw this one. It was Nathan Cleary after the game climbing the stands at Seabus Super to uh, go up and, and see a a, uh, a fan who was in a wheelchair uh, had a had a Panthers jersey on and he got a, he got a photo with Nathan Cleary which is uh, which is really awesome so great work by Jackson Hastings and Nathan Cleary or as we say here phenomenal stuff by those boys. <laughs> Above the Horizontal is brought to you by the Pioneer Australia. Find them on Facebook or at www.pioneeraustralia.wordpress.com. The panellists are Miles Stedman, Kieran Gibson and Daniel Friend. And it's hosted and produced by me, Bo Nicholson.